This is Team Time, your weekly Q&A session to building better teams and leadership practices. This series of episodes is part of the Better Teams podcast, hosted by me, Vincent, and Max. Thank you for being here with us. Have a good listening. Hello, welcome to a new Better Teams podcast episode. Vincent here. I'm product manager at Entevorce, a consultancy company helping you building better teams through coaching, training sessions, workshops, and interim management. You can find everything we do on our website, entevorce.com. This week, we talk about conflicts. And for that, I'm taking you to a theater play. In every great drama, there are conflicts, deep, and most of the time, deadly ones. Take any Shakespearean tragedy, for example, from Hamlet to Macbeth. In the audience, we tremble with fear, we cry maybe, and we love it. The paradox is that we probably love watching a good fictional conflict as much as we hate being part of a real one in our daily lives. Why do we feel so uncomfortable initiating or dealing with conflicts? That's what I wanted to understand, and for that, I had a few questions to ask Max, managing director at Intervals, founder of our Team Pitfalls method, and also co-host of this podcast. He's been managing teams for more than a decade. But first, let's look at what conflict actually means. A conflict is an active disagreement between people with opposing opinions. It leads to an uncomfortable feeling of incompatibility. In a team, in society, we are all supposed to get along, right? When there are clashes, your team's cohesion is reduced to ashes. That's what we believe. But if conflict is a sign of tension, I asked Max if it should be avoided at all costs then, and what organizations should be careful about. I think it's more an issue when conflict is more about interpersonal things than, than an idea, essentially. Is it really always harmful for the team? No, absolutely not. I think you should... As a manager, you should really encourage that, you know. And as a team member, you shouldn't be afraid of it, essentially. But it depends it depends on the amount of psychological safety you have in the team, the amount of trust you have between the, the team members. It depends on which phase of the team you are in. So is that a new, newly team, you know, newly formed team? So are we really in this uh, forming phase? Are we in this storming phase? Are we much further into the performing phase, for instance? Oh, it really depends. It really depends. Uh, it also depends on the culture. So what is the culture of the company? Some companies have a very, very candid uh, approach to to feedback and things like that. So uh, that can, you know, uh, if not everyone is used to it, that can create some uh, some conflict right away. Um, it depends also on the, on the country you work in. I mean, some countries have a um, very, very direct culture. So obviously that, also, that is also reflected in the workplace. Keeping that in mind... I needed to know more about the kind of conflicts that a team can face. And that's when Max mentioned Amy Gallo. Amy Gallo wrote a guide to managing conflict at work that you can find on Harvard Business Review. You can also watch her talking about the gift of conflict in the TEDx video. Gallo broke conflict into four different types. And I invite you to go through them now with Max and me. The first type of conflict is the relationship conflict. The most common, or at least the one type of conflict that you assume you're in, huh? when someone gives you feedback or things like that during a meeting or someone doesn't agree with what you're saying, 
you will think right away to, okay, it's a relationship conflict. That person doesn't like me. It's personal. Uh, I don't understand why that person doesn't like me. And usually, most of the time, it's something else, you know, it's something else. It's something else behind, you know, it's not a personal thing. It's not a, you know, it's not a relationship conflict. But as the one we always assume we're in, you know, we think, okay, that person doesn't like me. The second type of conflict is the task conflict. We have a misunderstanding or we don't agree on what has to be done. So usually we get into a fight because of that. The third type of conflict is the process conflict. We don't understand on the how, you know, where, how, how these things should be done. You know? So we have disagreement about that and uh, this creates heated discussion. And the fourth and last type of conflict is the status conflict. So basically who's in charge? In our discussion, Max mentioned two examples of healthy and useful conflict that he has had to face in his career. One related to status, the other one related to cultural differences. Here is how Max described them to me. You know, in, in many, many cases, uh, you see conflict erupting in a meeting, you know, uh, between different type, of, um, uh, different type of department in the organization. The one I know very well is the difference between R&D, so engineering and product management. You know, in any organization that I've been working, this has been uh, the type of conflict in place because it has to be there. It's a healthy conflict. If engineering would do whatever they want, it would be a very, very fancy product, you know, with all the latest technology. It would be so expensive that it couldn't be sold or it would be just beautiful but not useful because we wouldn't listen to what the customer really wanted. So that, that's why you need the product management organization. And if the product management organization would be alone, they would just say yes to all the things that the, the customer might be asking without taking into account what it would mean in terms of uh, product feasibility, in terms of security, things like this. So you want this type of conflict, right? You want to have this kind of healthy, uh, healthy conflict between these, these entities. That was Max's first example. Here is the second one about how another culture can handle conflict differently. So personally, I've been working in the Netherlands for uh, quite some years and I was managing teams over there, uh, fairly big teams at some point. And um, what I liked a lot is that, you know, when you had a meeting, you know, things could get really heated really quickly. But uh, once you would leave the meeting room, you know, things would get back to normal, you know. The relationship between people wouldn't be hurt by, uh, by this, this conflict during the discussion. That's particularly interesting. How come that a conflict can have such a peaceful quiet resolution. Could conflict be isolated moments after which work life can go back to normal? How can conflict be so constructive? What Max mentioned here is conflict enabling movement, action. And it's interesting because you know how conflicting situation led to expressions like don't make a scene, don't make a drama out of it. Let's go back to our theater play for a minute. The term drama comes from a Greek word meaning action. Conflict is at the heart of every good drama because there are choices to be made and the conflict is between and among those choices. Essentially, people argue over what to do and this is a sign of engagement. And it's also the possibility for your team to innovate. How so? Well, when you seek for innovation, what do you need? You need different ideas and different opinions. Therefore, can you really expect people not to argue over the different solutions they suggest? Well, I guess the main question here is how do you set the scene for good productive conflicts leading to innovation and high performance? With clarity, you know, essentially. So the clarity about the task, the clarity about the process, the clarity about, uh, you know, of who's in charge. 
Without conflict, I don't think you can come to the, to the best possible conclusion on the problem you're trying to solve. The role of the manager here is really to, to encourage people to, to speak out. Huh? Otherwise, you will have a suboptimal uh, solution to a problem. You know? So you have all those very talented people in your team and you're not making use of that, you know, of this diversity of thoughts. And if people are not properly trained about diversity of thoughts, you know, the, the, the fact that uh, we understand things differently, you know, people can mistake that for, yeah, just a, um, a divergence of opinion and sometimes even a personal uh, relationship problem, you know what I mean, between people. Are you like, you know, the way you told me really hurt me, so it means you probably disrespect me, it means you don't uh, value what I can... No, no, it's not that, you know. So I think there is a role for the manager to to basically uh, set the scene, you know, to prepare a safe environment for the team to have this kind of discussions because it can be very dangerous not to have any conflict. I mean, clearly, you know, it can be very, because a lot of things will fester, essentially. You can, you know, people uh, might avoid that because they they don't want to be, you know, seen as the person who brings the, you know, the problem or breaks the harmony or things like that. But, you know, hiding your feelings and keeping them for yourself, you know, is also an issue because, you know, it can create stress and resentment, you know, so that can also be very bad. And I think it's also about tolerating poor performance. And I'm not just talking about the manager, uh, himself or herself but also between colleagues you know if you tolerate poor performance then it means the rest of the team will have to pick up the slack that's very that's very negative as well because this will fester as well people will not understand how can the manager uh, tolerate this or how can everyone in the team tolerate this and i'm the only one who sees it and i can't say anything because i don't want to break that kind of harmony that's dangerous you know you don't you don't want that so, yeah, conflict is good. Conflict should be encouraged by the manager, but the constructive kind. So making it clear and teaching your team also how to, how to identify the different types of, uh, of conflict that you can see in the office, that you can meet in the office. Now you know a lot more about the different types of conflict and you know what to do to encourage positive conflicts in your team and why. But most of the time, conflicting situations take you by surprise and it's never nice and easy to handle. My last two questions actually come from you guys. Thank you so much for opening up and sending us questions. More than questions, they are keys to help you develop better relationships with conflicts. So let's say you are a manager confronted to a negative conflict within your team. What do you do? Well, the first thing I would tell the manager is that, uh, well, this is going to happen. So (laughs) get used to it because this will happen a lot. You know, I think the first thing you should do as a manager, when this happens within your team, is to really educate the team again. And I think I said that a couple of times already, but it's really educate them about which type of conflict they are currently facing. You know, try to really bring them into the the core of okay, what what is the thing they are actually disagreeing on? You know, to especially to make them understand that this is not a relationship problem. You know, it's not a relationship uh, conflict. You know, it's not that uh, person A doesn't like person B. You know. Apparently, you seem to have a divergence of opinion on how we should go about this or that. So, for instance, it could be the, you know, the process type, right? You know, uh, typical, uh, typical of a technical team. You know, we have to solve this bug in software, and of course, do you take a software engineer? They always have different opinions about how to do this or that. I mean, we, we've been shaped by our experience, by our education. So, of course, we approach it differently. So what's important is that, you know, when you see that things are getting heated, you need to reframe what the problem is. So, guys, currently, 
we are looking at a process problem, right? This is, this is a process conflict. So this is good. Let's see how we can go about this, you know? So encourage people to voice their opinion. When you see that people start to back off from the discussion, you know, explain to them, like, no, no, this, this is good. We need to get to the bottom of this and, uh, you know, help them get there, you know? It's uh, especially help them to understand that this is not a personal thing. Always frame which kind of conflict is currently happening. And one thing that we see often is that the manager or whoever is leading the meeting at that moment would say, all right, let's take it offline between the two of you. And I think that's a dangerous thing to do because when you encourage people to, to, take, a, um, to take the problem offline, you essentially allow them to create uh, a new meeting, a new meeting where other people are not invited to. So this you don't want, you know, you think you've been diffusing the problem, but you didn't, you just postponed it. So always reframe the problem, make your team understand that, okay, this is a safe environment. We can talk about this and we need to get to the best solution. Okay. If it's a different type of problem, like I mentioned earlier, you know, if it's a status thing and okay, who's in charge, this you can help reframe because maybe you know better than them, you know, you're more aware of certain things. So you can tell them, uh, look, I mean, this, this really, um, this person is responsible for making decision because X, Y, Z. You know, so you're informing them, you know, about something, you know, it could also be that there is a clarity issue on delegation, things like that. And this you can solve also differently. So it's very important as a manager, read the, the real tip here is help them reframe what the problem is and what is the base of this conflict. But don't try to tame it by saying, take it somewhere else. In addition to, to reframing the problem, which is very powerful, I think it's important to to remind people, okay, what is the goal, you know, in addressing this conflict, right? You know, so when you've reframed it, you explain the type of conflict you're currently experiencing in the team. It's important that people understand, okay, what is the goal we are trying to address, right? You know, what is this shared goal? Because this is what's driving a team. Once you've reframed that, uh, the type of conflict and you have reframed the kind of goal you're trying to reach, People can really focus on that and go all in, yeah, essentially. So those are really the, the two things I would say to a manager on how to address that is uh, first reframe and then really define what is the shared goal. And that way you will keep it away from personal things. Okay, now let's say you're still a manager, but you're confronted to a lot of aggressivity and rejection from your team. What should you do? This one is hard. Yeah? It's different because this has to do more about acceptance. You know, if there's a lot of resentment in your team, it means they probably won't. No, they probably don't accept you as as their manager. So it's. I would say it's a different um, problem entirely. It's really about acceptance. So here, yeah, I mean, what I would say is really, uh, yeah, personally acknowledge what's going on. I mean, talk to your team. But this is hard, right? And if you feel rejected by this group of people, uh, yeah, then, then it's difficult. But still, if you want to go with it, huh? if you want to go into trying to solve that, uh, yeah, you need to make yourself really vulnerable. That's a difficult situation, but uh, it's probably worth it. And um, you need to do that before a decision is made. Because uh, honestly, when a manager is not accepted by, uh, by his or, or her team, things get complicated really fast. You know, it's very likely that the senior management is going to replace that person. So if you're in that situation, I would say really personally acknowledge what's going on, confess it to the team and have really this discussion, you know, maybe set up some new ground rules with the team, you know, encourage respectful dissent, but it has to be respectful, you know. So yeah, if you're comfortable with that and you really want to make a change, you know, and really understand what's going on, I would say, you know, really go into, um, into also reframing the type of, of conflict that there is 
because you know if it's about status if they don't respect that you're in charge you know because they don't understand maybe why you're in charge maybe you're making decisions which uh, which should be with the team not with you so it's maybe it's a delegation issue maybe you're taking too much space and it could be that uh, that you're assuming that the team wants you to make those decisions when in fact they are perfectly capable of doing that so there are a lot of exercises like for instance delegation boards you know delegation poker you know which helps you to create a delegation board that's for management 3.0 i think that's a very good exercise and this could help you for instance um really empower your team maybe that's all they want so yeah is that really a status thing you know maybe it's a process thing also you know so you also have to to make sure that the frame is correct maybe they they, they don't understand um how you know something has to be done you know and you didn't explain it you know so it has to do with clarity task same thing clarity you know it's uh you know you need to reframe that that problem that conflict and then work it out with them but you have to do that um yeah you have to see how far it is because you know if uh, if there is already disrespect in place there's a lot of resentment i mean it's uh and people might have their own uh version of that you know for some people, maybe it's a status thing. Maybe someone was passed on for promotion and you got it. For some other people, you know, it's about expertise. Maybe they feel like they are more skilled than you in this. Or So, yeah, it can, it can be a very complicated situation. But if you're willing to change that, if, you're, if, you're a ma- if your management, so basically the, you know, the organization above you is willing to, to try, then I would really, you know, personally acknowledge that with the team and I have that discussion. And encourage that. Say, guys, I mean, please tell me, you know, tell me uh, how you feel about this. But that's complicated. And of course, it's going to hurt your ego, but I think it's worth it. So you have to see for yourself. But this is very tricky. This is really about acceptance. And I think we've covered that topic in length also in, uh, I believe, in our first podcast. So, um, yeah, I would say uh, to the people listening, uh, have a listening to that one as well, because I think it can really help you as well. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you like this podcast, uh, please give it a good review. You can also join our Better Teams podcast growing community on Facebook, where you can start interacting with other fellow listeners and directly ask us questions that we can address in the next episode. Thank you for listening. See you in the next episode.